dumb fun. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Musical the movie the podcast. Musical the movie the Season podcast. Season two remix. Musical the movie the podcast. Twenty twenty four. Season two. Steph, welcome in. Do you hear that? Um, I'm sorry. Are you talking to me? Yeah. Um. Yeah, Steph. Right. Oh, I don't, I don't answer to that name anymore. I go by Glenn Coco. <laughs> well, you go Glenn Coco. Uh, Thank you. And uh, uh, Steph, I don't know if you hear if you hear what I hear. It's not um, it's not the just the that that uh, incredible. I mean, season two remix, which is crawling up the charts uh, of our theme song. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, uh, and it's not our neighbor, um, who is staying steadfast in her resolution to keep up she with her fitness. is getting it every day. <laughs> yeah, she is. 10 to 11 a.m. on hears, her treadmill. If it sounds like someone <laughs> is fucking in the next room, it's because our neighbor is doing really good on her treadmill lately. Uh, and, uh, uh no, in fact, it's, uh, it's, it's the sound of, um, meanness, which is my favorite, uh, Garfunkel, nope, and Simon song. <laughs> Is that is that what they're called? I've only I, I only know that they exist individually, and I don't know what their name is an, as an act. I Are think, they Garfunkel and Simon? No, they're they're the ones that sing like the reciprocal songs, like the sound of meanness, or like yeah, yeah, yeah. um like a, a tunnel, uh, the Forty Second Street Tunnel, uh, yeah, yeah, crazy yeah. waters, yeah. <laughs> oh, they they have two tunnel songs. They do yeah, tunnel under crazy waters that. and Forty Second Street Tunnel. The motherfuckers okay. love tunnels. Well, in fairness, those other guys love bridges. Um, well, you know who else loved Bridges, and that's, uh... Make it uh, work. Uh, I dare you. Well, ever, anyone who saw The Big Lebowski, <laughs> of course, they love Jeff Bridges in that role. Um, but, uh, uh, we're here to talk stuff about a movie, I, a very interesting, uh, piece of, uh, IP stuff, intellectual property. Uh, and that's, uh, the film, uh, Mean Girls 2024. You can tell it's different, because there's a musical note in the A. <laughs> I uh, watched this movie the other night with a pack of my girlfriends and on the way home, like back to the car, referred to Mean Girls as a text, like yeah. the te- like as and it, it is now like that's not yeah. that I can't believe they did that to us. It's the they sacred it's the sacred text now. And it's uh, <laughs> uh, and it's funny, you know, there is. Well, as I'll talk about, it's always been sort of a property and they've tried to figure out sort of things to do with it. And this is, uh, I think, the, sort of the full realization of those powers. But I guess I'll just start with a simple question for you, Steph, which is, in general, with Mean Girls as a text, do you uh, fucks with it? <laughs> yeah. Um, mean Girls is uh, is in my blood. It is, um, I don't, I mean, like, I am a white woman uh, who was in high school in 2004. Um, and I, uh, as many of my peers, like, the lingo from this movie is has just like become such a part of my vocabulary that I don't always realize when they're like because it's not it's not like the big jokes that they like land on like I'm gonna I'm just gonna tuck this in here October 3rd to me is not Mean Girls Day October 3rd is right. Full Metal Alchemist Day it's the day that Ed and Al <laughs> burn down their home and commit to their lives trying to save each other and support each other and that's just true. But like the little things are there are just like little quips that are part of my vocabulary that yeah, I don't we let, I like didn't realize until we watched Mean Girls again that I was like, oh shit, that's from here. I know. 
we let Boo You Horror run rampant for like 15 years. That was yes. like on everybody's lips, Boo You Horror. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and that's like such a small throwaway line. And that's not even like a joke in the movie. That's like a line that she yeah. says that was just a way, it was just a sentence we had never heard before. You know they just I mean? like needed to end a phone call or something. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that that is true. Um, and then, so, you know, you've mentioned there's um, a whole world of Mean Girls. There's like a Mean Girls 2, which I feel like I have watched because I went and looked at the poster and I, I had this like, oh, yeah, feeling. But I can't tell you anything else about it. Um, and then I and then in the musical came out and like I didn't really fucks with it. It was just okay. I, I'm really excited to talk about that with our guests because I think everyone has opinions about it and I want to hear them. Um, but it just like I, I listened to it. There were like a couple moments on the soundtrack that I was like, oh, this is fun. And then but like there are other things that were just not for me. And so I just was sort of like, oh, that's not going to be my Mean Girls experience. Um, sure. And then this movie soundtrack and move the musical movie, spoiler alert, has really won me over. So we're back. And, and like, has also right. been the thing now that has, like, gotten me into the Broadway soundtrack. So, yeah, I fucks with sure. Mean Girls. All right. Cool. Do you fucks with Mean Girls? Oh, thank you. That, I don't, you know, that's not why I do this, to be asked questions like that. But, yeah, <laughs> I can talk about my experience. Um, I remember seeing Mean Girls um, in theater well in theaters is a weird thing to say because i saw it at the drive-in movie theater in in 1978 no i'm just kidding 2004 <laughs> uh it's just what it sounds like when you talk about going to a drive-in movie mm-hmm. theater today it just sounds like oh mm-hmm. we saw uh we saw death wish charles bronson killed <laughs> killed everybody for fucking with his family yeah. um but no i saw mean girls against all odds in, in 2004 with my friend brett and uh my girlfriend at the time mallory and we just like but and also it was this weird thing where like we pulled in to like screen two to see whatever was playing on screen two. And then we wanted to see Mean Girls instead of what the second movie in the double feature. So we just like turned our car around and changed <laughs> the the radio station to the mean. We like f- looked until we found the Mean Girls station Damn. and you just didn't watched even Mean have Girls to, like, from peek there. into the theater to figure out which, which no, thing was no. playing on that screen. You just had to we turn just around. turned the wheel slightly. Uh, and watch Mean Girls, and I loved it right away. Like, I even, there was a point very briefly in 2005 where I am, like, a youth minister at my old youth group, despite the fact that I am, like, five minutes out of that youth group. (laughs) And I, like, one night where they're just like, oh, we don't want to do anything, we don't want to plan anything tonight, let's just let them watch Mean Girls. And so we just, like, in the church, like, Family Life Center, like, watch Mean Girls and ate pizza with the whole youth group. Which is like, so it was like, that's how big this movie got is it was being played at Catholic. At church. <laughs> youth high school events. Um, and yeah, it just stayed with me for years. I, I never um, saw the musical. And I, I, I'm, you know, so I guess I'm a big fan of this, like, we turned it into a stage musical and now we're turning it back into a movie. I think that can be really good if, if done right. And there's no reason we shouldn't do that. And we just did it with... Um, we did it with something we watched in the first season, Steph. Do you remember what it was? I mean, so so first of all, Little Shop of Horrors is technically that, where Little Shop of Horrors was mm-hmm. an old movie made into a stage musical and then made into a movie musical. Uh, and is now just like, God, I mean, they're just plugging anybody into that stage musical of Little Shop of Horrors, aren't they? They got Judd Apatow's daughter playing Audrey for a little while. And who is it? It's someone crazy right now, too. Um, um, yeah, but, uh, and Candace Wu was there. Uh, her name is Constance Wu. 
uh, from of Crazy Rich Asians. Not uh, yeah, she was there. Um, anyway, but we're not here to talk about Little Shop of Horrors. We're talking. We're here to talk about Little Shop of Boogie Horrors. Um, and, uh, that's, that's me, Mean Girls 2024. Yeah, so I, I guess I'll just, I'll leave it at that. I, I had never heard a single song from this musical until we went to the screening of this that we saw on January 8th, uh, 2010, about d- two days before the release date, no big deal. Uh, we went to the, uh, on Wednesdays, we wear pink advanced screening. We both wear pink, uh, and we saw this movie uh and uh i guess we'll just i'll I'll leave it at that i'll get my live reactions as we go hell yeah well i um i'm gonna take this opportunity to introduce both of our guests because oh wow it's just it's like that today um so our first guest uh was with me in the movie theater when i first saw mean girls 2004 because we were friends in high school together. And um, I'm going to let her tell that story. But she is my personal media literacy expert and uh, podcast friend, Amanda Crowley. Hi. Hi. Amanda, uh, welcome thanks back. For, thanks for having so, me again. <laughs> with us when we saw Mean Girls was one of our <laughs> high school teachers. Do you want to explain? <laughs> oh, wait, hang yeah. on. Let's, let's bring in our other guests first, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll get into that. Oh, hell yeah. Good idea. Okay. Um, and our second guest is also a close friend of mine and is here because she's my personal um, expert on Gen Z and like current day teen culture. Uh, she works professionally with teens teaching social justice to Jewish teens and is one of my favorite movies, is one of my favorite people to talk about the teens. So that make that sound better in the edit please it's Maggie Burger when you say the <laughs> when you say the teens do you mean teenagers or or the decade yes okay, great <laughs> Becky hi uh, hi, and the teenagers would hate to hear that anybody thinks that I'm an expert on them <laughs> that's part of it though you have that self-awareness I love it alright Amanda uh, just sort of tell us about your relationship with Mean Girls and about this um lurid uh screening that you guys attended with your high school teacher uh yeah so in 2004 we had a like 23 year old um temporary choir teacher he was our teacher just for a semester um he had like been a student of our previous choir teacher who had moved on to a different role and uh yeah he (laughs) Um, me and a couple of other girls were like the like choir assistants and we like, I don't know, did paperwork and shit for the choir. And at some point he we made a bet with him. I don't remember, unfortunately, the content of the bet. I did text somebody to ask if they remembered and tragically no one knows. Um, but he lost a bet to us and that meant that he had to take us to see Mean Girls. And so, yeah, wow. Steph and I and a couple of other uh, girls from our class went to go see Mean Girls with our high school choir teacher. Very normal. My recollection he is paid that he for paid for it our tickets. Too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think that's like a really important component of this. Is he did my, buy our tickets. Like my part of it was that I I was a year behind y'all in school. And so I wasn't yet a choir assistant. And I was like, I I was a little bit horrified that he was paying for my ticket. That was like that like shame <laughs> that I couldn't articulate yet because I was 16 was like part of this memory for me too. This yes. is like some coach car from the original Mean Girls shit where, where it's like, <laughs> oh, this is 
If I mean, this, there's some some this would have definitely would have been twisted into some shit in the bird Wait, book if this happened. This today. is <laughs> this is the first moment that I'm thinking about like he him sitting in the theater with his high school students while that trying pack made out with Coach Carr like flashes up on the screen. Truly yeah, hadn't even occurred to me until now. It's bad. Like Don't do that there too. Like we were yeah. like seventeen. Yeah. We were like seventeen, eighteen. He was like twenty three. Like I, I was a teacher for ten years, right? And so I look back at that and I'm like, oh, like a- absolutely not. And like, and I want to be clear that like he was not shady, right? Like I just, no. I, I do want to say that on this podcast, <laughs> like, but he oh. wasn't, a, he wasn't like a certified teacher, and I don't think he'd gone through all the trainings that were like, no, sure. you can't no, take he was, four of your students he, to a movie. <laughs> yeah, just like don't. <laughs> Don't this do that. Is, this is why, like, so he was, like, a content expert, right? He's, like, a professional. Yeah. He was, like, at the time, and I think still, it like, makes his living being a professional choir person, which is a hard thing to do. And he had a lot of knowledge, and he made us all sing very well, but, like, wasn't great at how to interact with, like, was great for singing Tenacious D in the practice rooms. Was great at that. Sure. <laughs> but, um, but, like, was that appropriate? Jerry well, <laughs> that. Um, so anyway, that's how well, so, well, I started. Re- really quick, the, the only thing I want to I want to say there that why that may sound crazy to people today that he had to lose a bet to see this movie, but I I think what people just to put some perspective on the original Mean Girls fr- from from the from the male gaze um, is that uh, this was like Finally. when when you saw this marketed, you weren't like you weren't like oh this is a movie for everybody. Like this was very much marketed as like a teeny bopper movie starring Lindsay Lohan. And it was only yeah. once I learned that, like, Tina Fey was involved that that piqued my interest in seeing it. And that I and then it, like, started to get its widespread appeal after that. So I just wanted to put that historical footnote here. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, so one of the other reasons that Becky is here is that she was a teen in high school in the North Shore area of Chicago at the time and uh i know that she there has a lot of feelings about it becky becky how did you first see mean girls so i'm pretty sure i saw it in theater with my parents and it was deeply traumatizing at the time it <laughs> oh. felt like a documentary of my life and not a fun documentary <laughs> but like a, a tragic story of all of the terrible things that high school was like Um, I was a cheerleader at the time, but still sort of didn't fit in with the other like popular girls that I cheered with. And I remember going back to school and they, their takeaway from the movie is that they should all wear pink on Wednesdays (laughs) and that they should like emulate the plastics. And I was just like, this is not, this is so bad. Why would anyone make a movie out of this? And truly (laughs) I had to give it years of space before I could come back to it and see it as a good funny movie at the time i was like this is a this is a horror film this is so a like, horror documentary <laughs> when well, in that interim again? time when people were doing like boo you horror is becoming just like the thing that you say did you have was it like tagged with mean girls and you were just like oh yeah i mean i think part of it is that all Everything that feels funny in that movie was so close to my real life in so many ways that a phrase like that just slipped in among the like other insane things that were happening at the time. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't like every time I heard it, I was like, 
oh man, Mean Girls continues to ruin my life. It was like, <laughs> oh man, one other stupid thing in this like stupid parade of what my high school is. Sure, sure, sure. Right. This it. is like three years after Suck It is at the top of the charts of what kids are saying in high school. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so right, exactly. Like, I'm sure it doesn't even, but here, here's, uh, this may be a dumb question, Becky, but who did you see yourself as? Who were you identifying with in Mean Girls 20, 2004? I mean, so like none of them. Right, okay. because I didn't fit in with any of the girls that were plastic. I, like, I wasn't Katie. I wasn't edgy enough to be Janice. I was absolutely really one of the girls in the hallway who was just, like, providing color commentary. <laughs> right? Like, Can I... that was me. I was a hallway girl. As a bridge yeah. into talking about the musical, can I first highlight, there's like a cluster of four girls in this musical movie who are who that I girl. I love yeah. them so who much. And like they yeah. are, the, the, if I if I were like wanting to be cast, that is the role that I would want to have. They yeah. did a great like job. Great honestly. Chorus. Yeah, it yes. is. They, they did a great job of like, it's like, well, so like like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is a show obviously I love, Amanda loves, I think Becky stuff to all to some degree, we love it. If that is a show where you will see the same extras for like for like six or seven mm-hmm. years because mm-hmm. they made an especially in the high school, they like made an effort to like, oh, let's have the same people. Mean Girls does the same great thing in both movies, really. They have like the same collection of extras doing things like throughout the whole thing. And uh and, like, I noticed it when I was rewatching the 2004 one this morning that, like, the girl who, uh, you know, has to wear jumbo tampons because she has a wide-set vagina, like, she's also, like, the second person who gets the, like, sing-along going when the when the CD player craps out in the talent show. Like, like they're using those people throughout mm. the movie, you know, and it's not just, like, for the moments that you think of them for. Kind of like how people in high school are background characters in your life. Yes, yeah. Before we get too far away from it, I want to talk about how amazing it is that they found a girl who looks almost just like the wide set vagina girl for the 2024 remake to do the same yeah. last. Andy, I thought about that too. Wild. How yeah. did they do it? And also, if anyone else watches Survivor out there, both of these girls look like recent Survivor player, financial analyst, financial analyst Emily Flippin, uh, <laughs> star player from season 45. But anyway. Um, well, talk about so I, what I like to do, you guys, is talk a little bit about. I'm always fascinated by how things get made, right? How did how did this happen? And um, with this, it starts with Tina Fey reading the book Queen Bees and Wannabes. Like it's so funny, Becky, that you say it's like a documentary because it starts as a piece of nonfiction. Uh, it, it is a nonfiction book that is written by this woman that Tina Fey reads. Like literally, these two sentences on the Wikipedia page are: Tina Fey reads this book, calls Lauren, and Lauren calls Paramount, who purchases the rights to the book. And it's just like, God, wouldn't it be like, nice if your life was that easy? That like, oh, I'll just call <laughs> Lauren, and then Lauren's like, "Can we have the book for movie, please?" Uh, and then they just have the book because it's nonfiction. She writes the plot from scratch, and she bases it on Evanston Township High School, uh, which is what North Shore High is based on. Um, and so this is the original movie, obviously. It comes out and it makes $129 million worldwide, which is pretty good for a comedy at the time. And obviously becomes this cultural phenomenon. Like, uh, in 2013, the White House tweets a photo of Obama dog Bo holding a ball with the caption, Bo, stop trying to make fetch happen. So, like, this movie permeates, <laughs> is all I'm saying. Yeah, like, yeah, that joke sucks. That's like Pokemon <laughs> Go to the Polls bad. But... <laughs> no, I like it. <laughs> but the, the, it has permeated the culture. The, the movie Mean Girls. There's a made-for-ABC family Mean Girls 2 that you talked about, Steph. Um, 
there's the Mean Girls uh, video game, which we were watching some clips of before we started, that was developed for the Nintendo DS, but canceled just before the release. Uh, But all this to say that in 2013, Tina Fey confirms that a stage musical is coming. She writes the book, while her husband, Jeff Richman, who uh, does the theme and all the music on 30 Rock, he composes the music, and the lyrics are written by Nell Benjamin, who had just done the Legally Blonde musical. Uh, with her husband, Lawrence O'Keefe, who is of note, also did book lyrics and music for Heathers. People always compare Mean Girls and Heathers, both the original movies and the musicals. And I think it's really remarkable that a husband and wife team wrote Heathers and Mean Girls, the musicals. That is, there's a lot, I see a lot of Heathers and Mean Girls. Yeah, Yeah. that is, I see, I see that. So this, well, and there's cast overlap too. Is there? Between Heathers and Mean Girls and Musical. Yeah. So the woman that plays Janice, Barrett Wilbur-Reed, plays one of the Veronicas in the original Heathers. So there's cast over as well. Um, Well, the musical opens on 2017, and it gets nominated for 12 Tonys uh, at the 2018 Tonys, but wins none. And it only closes on March 18th, 2020. Can't imagine why. Um, Mysterious. (laughs) But uh, usually I have, like, a lot of information about how and why this got made into a movie. But this is pretty self-explanatory. Because, first of all, we are, and this will send a chill down all of your spines, I'm sure, due for a nostalgic resurgence of the aughts, right? Like, that's what we're in the middle of right now. We're done with the 90s now. We're exactly at that 20-year mark. We are in the aughts resurgence. Um, And so Tina Fey writes the script for the movie. And again, of note to me, Tina Fey has only written two movies in her career. That's it. She has written Mean Girls and Mean Girls. And that's it. That's completely it. She has produced other things, but that's all she's written. Jeff Richmond and Nell Benjamin come back and they rework their songs. They cut fully 14 songs from the stage musical, which is, you know, what you got to do in these things. I thought going into it, Steph, on the way there, I was like, I bet there's going to be like five songs and that's it. But this thing is like packed with songs. It's like, yeah, and, and in a good way, by the way, like it's packed with fun, good songs. So this this film is the directorial debut of Arturo Perez Jr. and Samantha Jane. And I really had to dig deep to even find out what they were doing before this. And it seems like it was mostly Apple and Starbucks commercials. And it's originally going to be a Paramount Plus streaming only release, but is switched to theatrical in September 2023 after positive test scores. So we got it in theaters. It has made 69.7 million worldwide to date. Nice. And uh, here's a fun <laughs> fact. of the audience for this movie has been female so far, which means that this podcast is representative of general audiences. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then that's, that's really all I have. I mean, so the only, the only other thing I want to talk about before we get into this is the trailers and how we are in a trend of the secret musical um, where people are advertising musicals, not as musicals. Wonka was one uh, and Mean Girls is one. Amanda, you have thoughts? I learned that it was a musical when Becky said, you know it's a musical, right? This this new, this new Mean Girls? <laughs> the new well, movie. Yeah. When... We like had already plans to go see it. So this yeah. is like fully yeah, in right. the last We were like weeks. actively making plans. Yeah. Yeah. And like importantly, like Becky and I had seen the musical together. Like, so like <laughs> I knew that the musical existed and I just hadn't put together that that's what was happening. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Really a secret. This is like an... Because we also saw Wonka. We'll talk about it at a later date. But um, it's... And then there's mm-hmm. there's a third one. Oh, well, Color Purple didn't seem to have a lot of songs. Color Purple had a, a couple more songs in the trailer. But was not, like, you know, 
It, it wasn't like this is we're bringing like they made an odd, a great musical out of the color purple and we're bringing it to the screen. <laughs> right. It's like oh we made a new color purple and movie. here's some singing a little bit yeah, yeah. but like the yeah. but the Mean Girls trailer straight up has zero singing in it. Uh, mm-hmm. which is such a wild <laughs> choice. Zero singing, a little bit of dancing, but like in a way that you're like, oh, maybe that's a fantasy sequence or whatever. I So I want to start with this, like they cut 14 songs yeah. from, from Transition. So as I mentioned before, there are songs on the soundtrack to the Broadway mu- uh, musical that are like, they're like big band tap numbers. Yeah. There's like... There's, like, stuff that just feels like it was written in, like, 1959 and felt fresh at the time. Yeah. And, like, that, to me, when I listen to, as I have been doing, like, on repeat for the last two weeks, when I, like, listen to the Broadway and movie soundtracks back to back, to me what they did was they, like, took out that, like, we're on stage now and there's a drum line and, like, made it more to, like, how people listen to music now. Um, and, like, did that both in the form of, cut, like, taking away the songs that were just sort of entirely about that, which sound like maybe that's, like, Jeff Richman's little darling babies. Um, and then also sort of molding the songs that they kept to, like, be more, like, synthy or be more have more of like there's like a a minute in um somewhere in gets hurt where like the bass drops like yeah. i don't think the bass drops when they're on stage someone gets hurt no. is the song at the party right where regina gets yeah. aaron back that was like the music video of the summer to me i mean that that song to me was so good so, so good. well produced and the the video where everyone just <laughs> i mean i say video because it feels like a music video in the, in the middle of the movie where everyone just starts sort of starts shaking and vibrating is like it was very good. Yeah. It was, I, I, I really enjoy what they yeah. did with the production for this. And, and to me, it's almost like, like, I wonder if if they were to ever come back to the stage musical, if they're like, oh, we should keep in all these tap dance numbers that would, you know, make like uh, uh, Hugh Jackman just absolutely get a boner. Like, Hugh, Hugh, nothing makes Hugh Jackman... <laughs> I think harder than the idea of putting on a little straw hat and a cane and tapping around a stage, you know what I mean? <laughs> but um, and like, like the fact that it's just this pop music musical, I think really works for the movie. And I, and I think when we've listened to some of the play soundtrack, I'm like, this shit is, this is for people who are not coming to the movie. This is t- completely different audiences. This is for the 70 year olds who have Broadway season tickets. Well, and I think that that's interesting as a pivot to like, who is this movie for? Because and and this is where I would love Becky your opinion in particular because I know you're much you're much more familiar with the stage show than I am like what I I feel something that you said to me after you watch this is like people who love the musical are gonna be disappointed because it's a really different product yeah so one thing I also think is interesting about the movie and the song choices they made is they chose the songs that keep it the closest to as Steph would call the original text (laughs) and they pulled out many of the songs that updated the story for a more Mm. current audience so like there's a whole song about like Damien going to theater camp and like being gay and sort of getting outed and in that song like Karen and I, I think he I think it's like he gets outed and Karen sends like naked photos that sort of go around and there's like this whole song that's sort of about 
more steer what bullying looks like today mm. that gets pulled out of the movie because it just doesn't fit i think with this version of the movie that was sort of like a mix-up of nods to the original and the musical it was somewhere in between the two i bet it almost yeah. feels a little evan hansony like at this point like and mm. with, with no but speaking of evan Han- like i was I was going to say, like, they, in the movie, have taken a lot of those things and, like, put them into, like, interstitial TikToks. Like, there's, that's why we see Megan the Stallion on screen being, like, how did this, like, drama from this one high school get into my feed? <laughs> Which is so real as someone who does get random <laughs> drama from yeah. high schools in her TikTok. <laughs> like, it's super real. It's super real that just, like, one day some teenager pops up and all of a sudden... You are in the drama of like <laughs> some high school in Ohio. This is why the podcast Normal Gossip is so successful too, because people are like, "No, that's good tea." Like, Give me. Also, this this version seemed explicitly more Evanston. By the way, I don't know what it was, but I know that like also as we were leaving the theater, Steph uh, did something that always brings a chill down my spine, which is she decided to speak to other people in the theater. Uh, and said, uh, well, and we're, we're just sitting there talking about, I think Steph said out loud, like, I never know, like, I never noticed how explicitly Evanston it is or something. Then this woman behind us was like, was like, yeah, the last one they tried to make the, uh, what's the mall in Evanston? The mall. They tried to make 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 the old orchard look like an indoor mall. (laughs) And I was like, oh no, (laughs) we made a mistake. We're in over our heads. We're in over our heads. Abort. (laughs) Okay, but can I say, though, that, like, actually it really bothered me that Regina's house in the new version is in, like, it's clearly in, like, fucking Barrington. Like, it's not, it's absolutely, that house <laughs> right. does not Could exist in Evanston. Like, that is a Barrington house. Yeah. And Evanston has such beautiful houses. Yes. They uh-huh. absolutely could what have had, like, a And they have, like, mod house, too. It's not like yeah. that kind of architecture isn't here. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, can we, can we jump into the opening? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. So the speaking of the TikTok. So in this is one of those like new things from the stage show. It's the stage show is sort of presented to us with Janice and Damien like as our little narrators, like giving us not like uh, it's not like an envelope story or anything. But we don't have Katie's inner monologue anymore, which I noticed a lot in the movie. I was just like, oh my god, there are quiet moments. What a concept! <laughs> like that doesn't exist. <laughs> Um, because every time it's Lindsay and like, you know, not to say that the narration is bad or anything, but it's just a different approach. And so Janice and Ian are giving us that sort of serve that like meta role where they can like be giving us exposition and whatever that doesn't need to happen, like in a way we see it. And so for this movie, it's that like TikTok because everyone does. And I, I think it's really effective at, at like giving, it shows how people who, film themselves like get to have that control like they get to like think about how it's framed they get to think about like what it is that they're sharing what they're not sharing what they are recording and so we get that little opening um, yeah i'm gonna use a term that carrie dubay a uh, friend of the show taught us on this podcast taught me on this podcast because i don't remember anything from my school so she taught me this uh which is indirect characterization you get a lot of indirect characterization in that opening with janice and damien yeah. about like Damien wanting to make sure he's framed all right and Janice not really caring, just wanted to play the music. And uh, yeah, it's good stuff. I, I really like this opening. I was like, because again, when this movie started, I'm like, I have no idea if this is going to work at all. And so when this starts, I'm like, oh, okay, I feel safe. Like this is, this works. 
This TikTok yeah. thing works. The also, song is great. They sound great together. We immediately get the choice to have Ali Carvalho as Janice because the Janice role is the like the one that needs Moana's voice. Yeah, mm-hmm. shocked, uh, yeah. by the way, to find out that this was Moana later. Oh, yes, Moana. Yeah. And I, I think it was also a good choice because it is the two strongest actor-singer combos <laughs> yes. from the jump. Like, they are two both... They were the funniest in the movie. Like, yep. they were really good. Yep. And I would argue that along with Renee Rapp, they are much stronger vocalists than their castmates. And so it, I really, I thought it, I was also very hesitant and I was like, oh no, this is going to be fun because they're really fun. Yeah. Powerhouse. And yeah. then. Um, and then, so <laughs> we got one of. <laughs> and then we go to Africa. <laughs> okay, so we do get no, one we of go my to favorite Kenya. Like, movie. Yeah, we go to Kenya. Which in the original movie, they just say Africa. They did at least say Kenya. They picked a country, which is an improvement. (laughs) Some baby stuff. Um, They do do one of my favorite, like, um, they get to play with cinematography. And so they do that thing where um, Damien, I think, is the one who, like, grabs the camera. And then it switches the... um, the aspects from like a vertical phone video into a cinematography and then like they escape through the garage door and on the other side of the garage door is Kenya. Um I I like that. I just wanted to shout that out before we get into this song. Which what's I what's learned. what's um Damien and, and uh Janice's song called, Dina? Um it's called cautionary A Cautionary Tale, tale, tale okay. which is why this our Zoom today is called A Cautionary Tale. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and, and then And then so I learned that they they wrote I knew that they wrote this song for the movie. Wild. I learned that they um had a lot of trouble like figuring out what song to write and they had like they had adapted a couple of the songs that are in the stage show that they cut like It Roars is is what fits in here on the stage show. Um and I, I did not read anything about why that was. Maybe it was the 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 way that um I, I'm not gonna angry I'm ga- and Gowry or and Gowry's Rice's voice sounds um and that Renee Rapp did so in the final version it's like not working and they can't really figure it out and someone's like hey Renee Rapp like is already writing a song for this movie for the credits what if we bring her in and she comes in and, like, is writing a lot of the final lyrics that make it. I don't know, like, musically what wow. her influence is. What a star. The song is kind of a mess. The performance is kind of a mess. Her voice, that that transition from Auli to Angari yeah. is, is rough. All, all I want to say is that it sounds like an I Want song from a lesser Disney movie. Like, it sounds like, the, <laughs> the, it sounds like a song that, like, Esmeralda from Hunchback of Notre Dame would sing. You know what I mean? Ooh, lesser Disney movie. Ah. We different. That's, that's an age thing. That's an age thing. Different podcast. A different fight. Um, but uh, we'll bring you back for the Hunchback. It's a musical. Um, yeah. But so, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it just sounded, it's it's not to me that this song as as safe as I felt during Cautionary Tale is as like worried I started to be about the rest of the movie during this Angowry Rice solo song that opens the number that has like it's shot so weird like. Um, uh, Jenna Fisher plays her mom and she just like walks into a frame. Like it seems like they had one corner of a cornfield to, yeah, to, to film she's for like Kenya. Sitting, and then when Jenna, like the way that like, there's like angles that are weird and no one, it's not flattering for anyone, which is maybe the point, but 
Yeah. Also, so they they cut the you know in the original Neil Flynn is her dad, and they cut the dad character out completely. He's in the stage musical too, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But they cut him out completely, which is which is a fine choice. Like, kind of speeds things up and like gives uh, it, or, or it would be more of a fun choice if like they gave Jenna Fisher anything to do, but instead they just cut the roles of both of them way back. Mm-hmm. Although I will say that Jenna Fisher feels like the most Northwestern professor mom of all. <laughs> I mean, like right. actually, her vibes in that are like, oh yeah, I've met that professor uh-huh. at a coffee uh-huh. shop. In Evanston, I've babysat their kid. Like, <laughs> I know that woman in real life. Yeah. That actually felt, like, spot on to me. And I like that taking away the dad makes her, makes Katie more isolated and also mm-hmm. makes it more likely, like, they put a lot of, um, her dialogue is very, like, formal and stilted. Like, when she tells Regina that maybe her skirt doesn't fit because she's maturing, um which is like you know yeah. how any but and so it it helps that to be like yeah she's only ever talked to her anthropologist northwestern yeah. professor mom so and, and like, like i need to, i need to uh, urinate is my other favorite <laughs> of that. Yeah. Like, the so yeah. like i was just thinking about how in the first one like you know anna gasser kind of has to be mean all the time like she's she's the one who like always has to be like you did what and then like her dad will just come around and be like it's okay, sweetie. You don't have to worry about what she said. Just go to the dance. And so I think that cutting them out makes their relationship more complicated in a good way where, like, they have to have these fights and then come to an yeah. understanding rather than ha- having a fight with the mom and she storms off and then the dad helps her come to an understanding because he's, you know, not a not a haint like the mother is, you know, is, like, the message. <laughs> um, but so I, I do, I like, you know, I have no problems with them with them cutting them out. And, and here's also something I want to say about this opening numbers. This is the first time you get a a handle on how they're going to shoot all these um, big group dance numbers, which is like sort of incidentally almost, which I, I really like. Yeah, like they, they like just it. sort of focus on Katie and they sort of let all the dancing happen around her and whatever gets on frame gets on frame and whatever doesn't is just kind of happening in the background. Uh, and that happens and throughout the whole it, movie. Yeah. And then when they choose to make that like the focus of the shot, it's so much more impactful because we haven't like been inundated with it the whole time. Yeah. But there's almost no like cut to a shot, a close up shot of a backup dancer so you can see how good they're dancing. Like like there isn't a lot of dance movies or musicals or or, like even just you Mm. need it for an edit. Like almost all the dancing in this movie is like really well captured in a, like a sort of realistic way <laughs> not realistic because it's dancing and we don't do that in real life but it's like it's just captured with like a realism eye i think as weird as that sounds yeah i mean some of it too i think is like that's like in the original movie right you know that you're that the whole thing is in katie's head because you have that voiceover right but we yeah. don't have the voiceovers this is sort of like the film <laughs> language version of uh-huh. that is like everything is so centered on katie and anything that's not in her like immediate peripheral vision is like irrelevant right yeah 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 um so also so the song it so on the stage version it roars is sort of this like um thematic it's that tie of like she's from the jungle and then she goes to the human jungle and we're gonna sing about how it's all the same and then also like that transitions us from kenya to evanston and this also does that much quickly more quickly by just having her like go through the tent flap um and yeah and then we like are in evanston now and she's at her first day of school and we're meeting everyone. Um, and it, I, yeah, I, the only other thing that I wanted to say about that opening song is that I've seen this movie twice now because I like to be prepared when we record these. And um, 
the first time that song felt like it was nine years long. <laughs> like yeah. I was just like, because I was just like, this girl is bad. And like her choreography too, is just like grabbing random things from the tent. Like she doesn't, it's not like purposeful. And it's just, it felt so slapped together. And then when we went, when I went back and saw it again, I was like, Oh, thank God that was only 30 seconds. That's all I wanted to share. Like truly. I was so scared. So I will also say that that the changing of the song, I think, and I think this will come up more, re-characterizes who Katie is as a character. Love that. Tell me more. It takes her from, I think, in the original movie, as someone who's, like, pretty bewildered, but, like, jumps in with, like, a lot of tenacity and and is an agent in their own story. And I feel like the Katie in the movie musical, she is like constantly just sort of like in her head dreaming about what the world around her could be and is getting sort of like pushed along from these like much bigger personalities and has way less agency. And I think that song switch shows that. And there are some other musical choices they made that also plays with that. But she's a much more passive character in either from either the the musical or the original movie yes well re- real quick I, I just want to ask i want to ask a question that's just you, you guys are sort of hinting at something here and i just want you guys to say the quiet part loud um do you think and gallery rice is good in this movie no no and i think oh, that's a lot of what no. talking about. <laughs> okay all right and i don't think it's her fault the more i think about it i sure. think part of it is that they didn't understand katie as a character there were just so many. They lost the thread of Katie as a character. Um, yeah, well, I like guess... we watched the original movie last night, and like it was sort of astonishing. Like, and I, I remember in particular the first time I saw the musical during that homecoming speech, being like, "Oh my god, I miss Lindsay Lohan so much." And then when I watched the original Mean Girls again, I would like she's so like vibrant in that movie actually right like she mm-hmm. you know because she is like she is this like fish out of water and has all of these things going on as then is and is you know sort of confused and freaked out but like she she's Lindsay lohan is actually just so good in that movie and and gary rice is trying so hard Lindsay just had that natural I, charisma and gary is, is having to work for it i i think she's great i think not uh, I think that she's fine here. I, I don't. I don't hate her as much as you, as much as you guys do, um, because I do think Katie's whole deal is that she's kind of a plain character, and I think it's okay for this to be more of a plain performance. Uh, which is, you know, that's the Russell Crowe justification we call it in musicals. Um, <laughs> wow, wow, that is not you. That's not an accepted household term. I'm just asserting that. Also, uh, Russell Crowe is a star, right? We're like, gonna we're, find like, you, but that importantly, yeah. And like, well, so I also I want to say like she has a couple moments there. They like put in this thing where she's like, do you like gum? And then he's like, yeah, sure. I love some. And she's like, oh, I don't have any. Like I there are, I, I liked that moment. I there I can like point to specific moments where I'm like, oh, she did that really well. Or like she's like crying in the bed with Jenna Fisher. I like, you know, yeah, she like sufficiently did that. But the, all of this, that's like base stuff all right like that's being like hey nurse like you did put that IV in my arm and i'm like yeah that's my job also just a note to the <laughs> to generation alpha when she says base she doesn't mean based she like <laughs> she's not saying like the opposite of cringe she's saying it's oh a God. it's a base um 
so anyway, all right. So now we're going to go and meet everybody. John Hamm is a teacher. Uh, Tim Meadows is still the principal. He's got a Chicago accent. John Hamm is that what he's doing? Is a treat. Yeah. Oh, it, I never would have. Pred- that's what he's trying to do. I never would have called <laughs> right. that. That's what he was right. trying to do. <laughs> um, Tim Meadows is back, and he's he's in a cast, um, which I turned to you in in the theater and said I thought was really funny because he's only in a cast in the first one because his arm was actually broken at the time. And so now he's like in a cast needlessly in this one just to keep like <laughs> like a uh, 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 continuity with the first one. Um, um, also, funny. so in this movie, uh, Tim Meadows' principal and Tina Fey's teacher are now together, and I thought that that was sort of based on nothing. But then when Andy was rewatching 2004, there is like one shot of them dancing at the dance at the end. It's very cute. Well, and he like he like hits on her a couple times. I feel like it. Like he, he's like he like is constantly like throughout the movie. He's like, oh, you're so beautiful. And really? down he's like her. he's like, doing the like flirting by pulling her hair thing by like <laughs> he like mocks her divorce or something. <laughs> He's like, no, I, th- I feel like oh, he right. like, actually he really nice divorce in the first That's movie. right. Well, so th- here's a question I have about the, the um, canon of this movie. There are times in this movie where it seems like the original movie also took place in this canon. Oh, I 100%. I 100% believe that these teachers are just like, it's weird that the cool girls are named Regina <laughs> and Gretchen and Karen again. Yeah. Again. Yeah. I, well, and I feel like the teachers who have been at the school forever, yeah. right, like... Which is sort of a funny joke, and also they just sort of feel like, oh yeah, we've done this. We yeah. do this every year. There's like right. a weird Regina every year. We don't know why we're stuck in this time loop. As somebody who's teacher for ten years, you taught during the pandemic and then quit, um, as many of us did. Like something about the like absolute exhaustion <laughs> that is visible on Tina Fey and Tim Meadows like spoke to like really spoke yeah. to me. This movie was the first time that I've actually been able to like see Mean Girls sort of from the like adult teacher perspective rather than like the kid perspective. Mm-hmm. And so much of that too was just about like how tired they looked and be nice to your kids' teachers. I promise you that all of them are exactly as tired yeah. as Tina Fey and Tim Meadows look in this movie. <laughs> there is <laughs> all of them. So there's like reference to Tim Meadows says that he's back, like he has to come back to the school for some reason. Um, Tina Fey seems to know when Lindsay Lohan pops up at the end, she seems to like recognize her. Um, mm-hmm. One of the, oh, the, the, okay. This is the most, this is the most mind bendy one to me. At one point when Karen says, or sorry, Gretchen says fetch. She said, and they said, what's that? She says, oh, it's slang. It's from an old movie or something, which would be what, which I would think is a terrible joke, but then they tag it with a pretty good joke. Maybe Juno. <laughs> Um, it's funny to me, this is also something I was just reading about, that, like, Tina Fey in 2004 writes the word fetch specifically so that it will be slang that isn't tied to a period. So that, like, the movie can kind of exist and go on without having to, like, immediately be dated because they're saying, like, was up or whatever. (laughs) I just had to think, like, what did we say in 2000? Remember that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right, so, exactly. so now, finally, an hour into the podcast, we can meet the plastics. We do. We meet the plastics. This is another one of those. Um, they dropped half of this song. Um, so we get... Uh, you know what? I want to talk about that later. Let's talk about Renee Rapp. Um, <laughs> I, I don't... She She's just too hot. That like yeah, the movie stops when she walks it's on screen in a good much. way. Like everything stops. 
Like, literally, and, like, they do, they give her all of these dramatic lighting changes, which really helps the, like, kind of jarring, like, we're going into this hyper-real space, we're going to sing now thing. Um, But it also, yeah, it just is, like, it It feels to me like the filmmakers acknowledging, like, yeah, we know what you're thinking right now. We're, we're there, too. We're all, we're all doing this together. <laughs> I think it also benefits from the fact that Renee Rapp played Regina on Broadway when she was about that age, right? Yes. She was 19 when she played her on Broadway and she she actually brings like a real depth to the character yes. because she's been sitting in it and and she also faced all of this mean girl behavior herself when she was on Broadway <laughs> so just like she brings like a depth that I if you compare if you compare her stage singing to what we hear in the musical you also get to hear her growth as an artist which mm-hmm, I think is really mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cool but like, yeah, she's she's just a showstopper. It's it's she's just unbelievable. I, this is one of the first things I said to Steph as soon as the movie was over, and I am dead serious about it. That she is already she she's on my short list for best supporting actor nominees for twenty twenty five, like for for this movie. I would nominate her for an Oscar for this movie. Yeah. Um, she was the winner, so she gets the part of Regina because she wins the Jimmy Award, which is a high school theater award that did not exist when I was in high school. Thank God, um, because I just think that there are too many people I know who would have been obsessed with it. The Jimmy, um, and the Jimmy, um, and yeah, my teacher gave me but a like, Jimmy. You the other see day. her performance. <laughs> Okay. Nope. I mean, <laughs> which one of us was going to movies with our teacher? <laughs> so it ju- my my point though is just that like you see that and you're like, yeah, of course you want a fucking Jimmy Award. Of course you like were cast in this movie at 19. It's it's like yeah, you just are our talent is bursting out of you. But then I I also don't want to take anything away from uh, Avantika first of all. Who plays oh, uh Lava so good. Uh, what Karen. 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 Uh can we also just make a quick note here that they take Karen's last name and they change it to Shetty, which is culturally appropriate, and they take Janice's last name and they change it to, I believe, like Imi. It's, yeah, it's a Hawaiian yeah. they last change, name. They also change it. They also change it to match um Ali's nationality and i just really appreciated that like very subtle nod to like we know who these characters are and we're not actually ignoring that we chose to diversify this movie they also gave kevin and trang actual names that (laughs) exist like their last names are like real last names now yes yes i read that they did that on broadway that uh the girl who played janice was i'm guessing armenian because her name was janice sarkeesian um and and then which which I think is a good choice because Janice Ann is a dumb name. It's it's literally the name of a singer from the seventies, and Tina Fey like just lifted it wholesale. <laughs> and like I think I want to say that also there's an episode of Thirty Rock where you learn that Janice Ann's song at seventeen is uh, Liz Lemon's karaoke song. <laughs> that feels right. Yeah, I would believe that. Yeah, it's probably Tina uh, Fey's karaoke song. Yeah, <laughs> sounds right. right. Wait, but then I the the girl who plays Gretchen, what's her name? Yeah, BB Wood. BB. She's incredible too. I mean, like like all of them are incredible. These girls yeah. are stars. Yeah, they are. Um, and th- so on stage, the song is like Regina does her thing, and then Gretchen has a little bit that's like where she's like being frantic and just like singing about how her job is to make Regina stay in power, and then Karen comes and has just the 
<laughs> one of my favorite little dumb songs and like the the this Karen bit is like the one bit that I had from the first time I heard it I was like I love that Karen bit in the stage show um and but we don't get them in this because things have to go but you it guys, does this is not stage musical the the podcast this is <laughs> this is movie well, the podcast so, the musical this is what Fuck I want to talk about though is that like we still have to introduce these characters and we keep the Regina part, because like musically, thematically, that's what like her other songs are based on. And also, and sure. also like the, I like that the introduction of Regina is like on a different level than the introduction of Karen and Gretchen. Like that feels yeah. right to me, but it also yeah. is just a little jarring. I don't know. There was just, there's like a something there that I'm like, I'm looking at it and thinking about it and not like lost in the moment. Like I want to be. Yeah. All right. So this. So the the song. What's this Regina song called? It's so. It's Meet the Plastics. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's called Meet the Plastics because it's originally all three of them. Right. Gotcha. And technically, they cut two songs because there's a pre-song that's called I think Where Do You Belong, which is like running through the clicks of the high school, and yeah. that and one into. And it's like one of those like bouncier Broadway number. Like it sounds like something yeah. that like Olaf from Damien. Frozen would sing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's Damien. Yeah, and he's yeah. like Damien is like doing the like old school. But you can they basically just put it on to dialogue or someone yeah. say turned it back into dialogue. Right. Uh, they they went back to the There I don't I don't remember if it was that, but there was one point in this movie where I turned to you and I said this this dialogue reeks of song that was turned back into dialogue. Yes. I think yeah. it was around there. I'm sure it okay. was that. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah. So we so meet we're meeting all these people. Um, I so in the 2004 movie, we get um a little scene of Regina being mean and like how she's mean because she compliments someone's skirt and then it immediately is like that skirt is the ugliest effing skirt I've ever seen. And we don't have that, but we do have Regina pulls the lunchroom and says. Excuse me, who here thinks that Jason should go go back to his normal speaking voice because he's like a poor 16-year-old kid who has been like artificially deepening his voice? It's so funny and so mean and so devastating and such an effective way to show like what what a big public bitch she is, but yeah. also she's not wrong. And I like I love yeah. I love that choice. It's a great new joke and I, I sort of don't don't mind saying it. there's not a lot of like new new jokes in this movie because this movie yeah. uh, this is the first time i'm touching on this but it, it's sort of almost if i have a, a a problem with this movie it's this there are so many jokes that are just like lifted wholesale like like tina fey see tina fey went to second city and as someone who's also taking some classes at second city i know they teach you to drown your babies you know mm-hmm. that's the expression we say about writing you got to drown your babies tina fey Preciously saved every single one of her babies from her 2004 script <laughs> and, and and readopted them in her 2024 script. Uh, there are so many jokes and then that are referenced just like them. Yes, yeah. right. <laughs> all of the new jokes are actually just references to the things she didn't manage to cram into yeah. the script here. Yeah, and uh, and there's yeah, there's also a couple of points in this movie where like I had met and Amanda, I think you mentioned something like this too that where like you had missed a plot, like something happened so quickly that you didn't catch it, but like you knew what was happening anyways because you know the plot of Mean Girls. You're just... <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're, uh, we get a, a song, Stupid with Love, which is a Katie song um, about how math is real and um, is another one that they... So they, like, while... It's the same song from the stage show, but they style it completely differently. 
to like get toned down for uh angry's voice but then also like it is sort of just more like of a, a screen styling like it feels more like an ingrid michelson song <laughs> um yeah and it's better I, than the first song that she sings but it's not as good as any yes. other song in the movie literally and like i do i really like this arrangement of this song this is one that i've sort of been like going back and forth between them and i would love to hear like someone else sing it because i think that if someone else <laughs> were singing it i think it would be one of my favorite songs right now it actually works so well it, the thing that's terrible about it is like first of all our like our like hallway chorus girls yes. are actually the star of this of this number yes, 100% so funny they are so good in it and the way that they changed the song from on stage to be this like big like puppy love I've never been in love before like my heart is bursting out of my chest which is appropriate for a musical to the sort of like softer daydream like look at this crush is actually like you're right it works so well it it just falls flat because unfortunately the performance falls flat Angri is being described on TikTok as like singing like she's been lobotomized (laughs) and you like hear some of that that like her affect is it's not daydreamy which I think is what she's going for it's just flat yeah and it takes what is actually really funny because it's a really funny number and just like dials it down a little too much. Yeah. She, her singing sounds to me like actual high school singing, like, and, and specifically even like how I sang in high school and I was not cast in singing roles in our musical because I don't have a stage singing voice. Like I, the things that, and like the things that I, I want to like talk to her vocal coach and just be like, hey, she needs, she's not using her abs. I hear that she's like not supporting her breath when she sings. I hear that like her vowels are really wide and flat. And I, I under, like she's having to do some accent work and I empathize with that, I guess. But like still the effect of it is just, I mean, I mean, the good news is, she sounds like she's sitting down. Well, she's yeah. not yes. standing up right like she's like yes she's sitting like this singing her song and like well, there so, are people that she's working with who probably could sound really great sitting down because yeah. they're trained for it right yeah but so angry if you hear this i think we've laid out pretty clearly the things you need to do yeah um, use your abs um and make those make those vowels <laughs> sound brighter thank you not less not brighter do you remember the oh, first time flatter uh rounder no that rounder okay yeah all right Fuller. now i'm listening yeah. yeah, rounder, the okay, first rounder time... and fuller, you got me back on board. <laughs> the first time that I described a vowel as bright to Andy, he literally like made us stop our conversation and was like, excuse me, what did you just say? <laughs> That's not a thing that can be described that way. And I was like, you are wrong, sir. You are wrong. <laughs> Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um, so yeah, so that's Stupid with Love. It's a very cute song. I do also want to say that somewhere around here is um, where... Katie meets Aaron and starts getting like he like starts talking about math or something and um now I'm gonna pass to Amanda to tell a story about a real high school math teacher oh just that like my I I saw also saw the new movie in theaters twice one of them with my husband a high school math teacher who teaches like this level of math um and so he was like whispering all of the answers to the math problems on the board throughout <laughs> the entire movie <laughs> 
Um, I don't know if that's the story you were looking for, but that is the story I have. And also apparently his students. So he, for like many years, um, had students who would like, anytime the limit didn't exist, would like freak out, right? Like, the limit is like really got into it. And like, we're super excited about October 3rd. And that's like really died off in the past few years. Um, but now it's back. And he had students who came in and were telling him about how like they were analyzing all of the math problems during the movie as they were watching it, like the new movie, which is the kids are the kids like math, I guess. He even Thanks. told us he told us that the problem that she has to solve is the same problem that Katie has to solve in Mean Girls 2004. Because he your husband committed carries it to that memory. around yeah. in his brain. Yeah, your husband has that in his brain. <laughs> that was like one of the first things that Nick and I bonded over when we first met was like talking about this. And I was like, yeah, you know that limit that they do at the end? It's not, that's not real. That limit does exist. And he was like, oh, I know. It was very <laughs> Um, okay, so from here we get to Apex Predator, which is Janice and Damien um, doing more um, a more thorough descriptor of like what Regina's role is on the social food chain. Um, and I would like to introduce here this conversation of Janice and her characterization and the way that they that this movie um, approaches their friendship. Because one thing that we all talked about when we saw it was that, like, we don't see a lot of the friendship building between Katie and Janice and Damien on screen. It's, it's, it's like, heavily implied. There's, like, a lot of, like, time jump happening or, like, they'll, like, refer to each other as friends. But Amanda had uh, a really, like, like, convinced me of it, too, that, like... Is Janice the evil one here? Is she a villain here? I mean, they're all, they're all, they're all dicks. They're right? all villains. Like, they're, they're all villains. villains. <laughs> they're all villains. Like, and I, I do think, so having just watched the original Mean Girls last night, it's literally one scene, right? So it's that in the original movie, like, they meet and Janice and Damien take Katie out, like, back behind the high school and they, like, hang out together and, like, skip class, Right. And they have that moment before Janice realizes, oh, maybe Katie could help me get revenge. And it makes all the difference, right? Because you're like, oh, like, they like they like Katie, right? Like, they're actually, they're being nice to her. They're, like, actually, like, they have sort of taken her under their wing. They're, like, hanging out with her. Whereas in the, in the new movie, literally, I mean, they don't even invite her to sit with them, right? They're sort of, like, showing her all the other tables being like, well, which one of these can you sit with? You can't sit with us. And then as soon as Regina notices her, they're like, sweet, here's, like, we got our in, like, we can, like, use this new person who, and part of it is how totally helpless and, like, yeah, <laughs> and obviously, yeah, right, she doesn't role. have agency. <laughs> she has no agency, Well, right? and they and change Apex her. Predator specifically. Yeah. So, so Apex Predator in the stage show is actually about, is Janice and Katie both talking about how regina is the apex predator and they're going to topple her and it's like them like figuring out that they have the same language that they can like use together that they can use and katie has the line like janice doesn't have this power and katie is thinking about who she wants to align herself with because of power in the movie they give the janice does not have this power line to damien right so they pull that's another place where they like pull that agency from Katie as like I'm making social choices for myself as opposed to like her just being this ping pong that is getting like bounced around from all of the like bad guys around her yeah there's something about too and just on the topic of all of them being villains there's something about when Katie throws the party at the end 
and doesn't invite Janice and Damien in this one that felt a lot meaner to me. And I can't, yeah. I can't put my finger on what yeah. that is. Um, I think it's just that, uh, that maybe in the last one, there's like the 2004 one, there's this whole thing about she tells her she can't go because she's going out of town. Does that happen in this one? And then yeah. in this one, yeah, it's just but like, like, briefly. Well, like yeah. you had mentioned, Amanda, that you didn't even hear her mention the art show. You just like, when she comes around, she's pissed because she didn't go to the art show. You just like, we're like, oh yeah, there's an art show. I remember, like I was saying earlier. Well, our, and we were talking about like Janice's art and like she throws the the piece that she made at Katie and it's beautiful. And like the first on first watching, both Amanda and I were like, have we like seen this before? And then when I went back the second time, I started noticing like, oh, yeah, OK, like she is sort of like stitching every time that she's on screen and she has something about like um the why she like stitches over the paint and she's like the the paint is the words and the the thread is the feelings or something like sure it's there but it's like that's like tina fey's best guess and like how art yeah exactly it's like that is like someone who doesn't do art's idea of how art works of why someone might talk about that yes yes sorry andy i think the reason that the the party feels mean or in the in the musical movie is because in the original movie we get a version of katie that is fully a mean girl and fully in that agency and so we're expecting it more Mm, and i think in the movie they they don't she never reaches that level where like yeah they say that she's exactly the same as regina but it really feels more like janice has created like frankenstein's monster and so that act of like leaving her friend out doesn't have the same build and so it feels like it comes more out of left field yeah i love that okay so the we're jumping around but the song world burn is the like (laughs) for those not watching visually both amanda and becky just like (laughs) fell over in their chairs which one is that um but so it's it's the really the, like the really hot one where she it's where Regina <laughs> okay. is doing the burn book. Uh, okay. And um and <laughs> Renee Rapp is like finally getting to use the full uh uh range of her voice. And um the lyrics I think are like are like the thesis statement of this story of this text which is she wants to watch the world burn and everyone get mean. It's like, it's this idea that there is a, when the world is burning, you have to be mean because, because you have to survive the world. And so it like makes sense that Janice, who was devastatingly hurt by her friend in sixth grade, and I don't know, this is another one, like they sort of, they, they significantly change it from 2004. And I assume that they change it from the stage show too, a little bit. But um, we get this story that is basically like Janice and Regina were best friends. Janice comes out to her. Regina uses that coming out as a way to secretly make fun of Janice to the whole school for a year. And so like that's heartbreaking. And so like and, and that is what turns Janice into this cold person. And she's acting out at Regina like she is doing horrible things. She's using Katie. She's using Aaron Samuels is like the poor innocent victim of this movie who doesn't. And like, because hurt people hurt people. 
like because because they wanted the world to burn and everyone get mean and that's what happens when you live in these cycles discuss can i say also okay like re regina specifically like watching the old movie rachel mcadams projects like especially watching it now as a grown-up like 95 percent insecurity right she's just like mm-hmm. radiating radiating fear and insecurity throughout that entire movie and renee rap is radiating maybe i'm a sociopath yeah. right yes. and it's a really <laughs> yes. different like a really yes. hot sociopath but like she, it just feels like I don't know. There's something about the performance that is like, and some of it is like, I think she like she's just so confident that she can't like hide that. And then mm-hmm. you know, and you get, you get a little, you get like little bits of the insecurity, but even that feels like a performance, right? She's like performing insecurity because she's she knows that she's not actually allowed to be as confident as she is. Yes. And yes. like, and it's just a really different, it's a really Which different is... view on that character, and I love it. <laughs> Well, so I read this thing that uh, Tina Fey said when they were casting the first one, which is that, so Lindsay Lohan was originally sort of auditioning for Regina, and they were thinking that she would do that, and then Mm. Tina Fey sort of saw her, and I think also there was an issue where, like, her reps were like, no, we want her to be the nice girl. But, so then when they cast Regina, they found Rachel McAdams, who is very nice apparently like and like i think you see that in a lot of her roles like you see in the notebook that she's in, like uh uh your the eurovision movie which we cover for this podcast she's a sweetheart throughout the whole thing but and and i think that that informs her meanness a lot mm. in that movie and and this is what tina Fey said and I, and I definitely see it that like yeah. you know it makes it that much she, the girl leaves and she says that's the ugliest having skirt i've ever seen in my entire life and yeah, yeah to your point amanda that's not there with Renee Rapp. You don't see like, oh, this is a nice person. Like you don't see Renee Renee Rapp, and you're like, oh, this is probably a really nice person in real life. <laughs> like you do with Rachel McAdams. There is she um, doesn't she doesn't have the kind eyes. She has murder in her eyes. Yeah, she and there's the like emotion. They're sort of um, the untying of the thing in the bathroom at the dance where like. Katie and Regina finally, like, spill all their stuff. Regina has the line, and she's, like, high on opioids or whatever. And so that's sort of the conceit of, like, why she's being nice <laughs> to Katie right now in this moment. But she says, I'm, I am who I am, and they call me bitches. You know who they would have called me if I was a boy? Reginald. I'd rather be a bitch. <laughs> and it's, like, <laughs> so perfect. Fun. That's, the best that's joke in the whole rap, movie. <laughs> right? Like, it's a that, great joke. Yeah. And that's, like, that's her Regina. And the... um. So she wrote the song with Megan Thee Stallion that is, like, the credit song that is, that truly it is the one song that, like, has actually been on repeat. It's so good. And the whole theme song. What's it called? um, It's called It's Not My Fault. It opens with the clip from the 2004 movie of Lindsay Lohan screaming, it's not my fault you're, like, in love with me. And then the themes, the and whole it's not song, a cover. This is a dumb question, but no. it's not a cover of that mystical song no. from the 2000s. Okay. It's Maybe not, like a thematic throwback to it, yeah. Um, Did I do that? But the whole song is about like mean girls get shit done. Like, it's not my fault that you're having feelings about what I am. Your feelings are your fault. I'm living my life. I told you what I was about. Like, get off my dick. Well, just Renee Rapp's whole brand. Yes. Right. Renee Rapp's whole brand as just a person is like the like I think very classic Gen Z I don't give a flying fuck can I say is that okay am I of course right so (laughs) I don't I do not give a fuck and like I am going to call out everything I see right there is a there is a piece there's an interview where 
I don't even remember why, but all of a sudden Renee Rapp is talking about the terrible bus driver that they had. And they're like, oh, and fuck buddy. That guy sucks. He was mean to my mom. He was mean to my best friend. And like, and in this interview out of nowhere, she's just like, fuck buddy, the driver. That guy fucking sucks. We hate him. Fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck him. Right? She just like goes off. And then later I see a, another TikTok of someone being like, no, Buddy the Driver is a real person. And like, I have well documented how terrible he was because he was like a tour bus driver for me. And like, he does suck. And her whole <laughs> brand is just like saying the things that other people maybe aren't ready or willing to say, which mm-hmm. is the version of Regina, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's a yeah. piece of Regina. And I, I think it's, it is a little bit of like why she's a fun Regina is she like is a Gen Z Regina. She is what Regina George would be today, which I think is like much more outwardly confident than like we may have seen the mean girls be in our high school. Yeah. Now, and I'll also say this, Renee Rapp is something that mean girls could not be in 2004, which is thick. Yeah. Uh-huh. So let's talk Absolutely. about thick girls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they took out that um... line right about her weighing 115 pounds, mm-hmm. and yeah. I feel like I saw an interview with Renee Rapper. She was like, "Yeah, I just like I've never weighed 115 pounds. Right? Like, <laughs> right. That's, that's not, that's and that's right, and that's not actually and a that's... requirement for being like the hottest person in the entire building, right? Yeah. Or the mean girl. Yeah. Or the mean girl, importantly, because yeah. I like there was a girl that I went to high school with that I cheered with that was like. Queen B, a total bitch, and she was not thin by any means, right? And it, she, like, you know, she was in many ways built like Renee Rapp, and she was, like, head of head of the social hierarchy and, like, so fucking mean. So fucking mean. <laughs> so fucking mean. Yeah. Um, there's something, when Renee took the part on stage, there were, like, all of these issues with her costuming, because, like, the people who had only ever costumed little tiny bodies, like, were like, oh, no, what do we do? And they didn't do her well at all. Like, it's just, like, stuff that, like, isn't fitting or just, like, doesn't, like, work with the shape of her body, which, again, is very hot. But it's just, like, not the same one that everyone else had only been allowed to have on stage. And so right. in this movie, there are... I I encourage anyone who is curious to go look at what the internet is saying about the costumes because I think that's a very fun conversation that I am sort of like unqualified for because I have aged out of it. But um, they do like (laughs) make her look hot. Like they do like just dress her body in the way that her body needs to be dressed. Yeah. Yeah. They give her clothes that they sometimes give her clothes that fit. I mean, all four of them too. This is. I may, I may, I may take this out of the final out of the podcast, but like those Mean Girls from 2004, all four of them are four of the hottest people to ever walk the earth. These Mean Girls from 2024 make them look like hags. Yes, <laughs> this is yes. this is one of the right. hottest casts I've ever seen. Fucking outrageous! <laughs> and like, it's upsetting too to be like, no, you're teens. Like, this is not. The <laughs> Vonda is sure. truly like. 18 or 19. <laughs> Most of them are not teens. Yeah. But she's also that. the one who just like, there's it's the joke so about hot. like being able to see your boob size by jumping. And she's like, do me. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, they are. I wasn't ready. So what hot. I was not prepared for was how hot BB Wood is. Right. Because in yeah. all of the promotional stuff, like that's not her typical style. And so you don't like see her in the sort of movie glam that you see her. And I was like, 
so I wasn't so I wasn't right I was like oh no you're also really hot too you just like mm-hmm. don't yeah. play a hot girl regularly right Absolutely. No, she is she is a smoke show in this. And uh anyway, and while while we're talking about her, I want to talk about a song we haven't talked about yet, which is her what is her song called that she sings in the walk-in closet? It's called oh. What's Wrong With Me. It is yes. Oh. So this song, I was just like, I-, I couldn't tell for a little while. The song I was like, does this fit? I really can't tell. This is this is so tonally different than everything else, but like it's also got so many jokes in it and it's not all jokes it's like kind of a lot it's her being very sincere for a lot of it but it's like got enough um, enough like karen jokes for me to to be into it but what do you what do you guys well do you want to know the deal of that song because there's a reason it feels that way so one in the stage show it comes way later so it's much much later um and it's it's after they've broken apart and she's trying to figure that out her new much identity. And yeah. it's, she only have has half of the song. The other half of the song is Regina's mom who also sings it. Um, and they're both like, who am I supposed to be? Like, what do you want from me? Um, it, it's, it's actually, wow. it's, it's a very funny and heartbreaking song. If you ever get a chance to see like, I don't know if it's anywhere on the internet, but Ashley Park, who plays their original Gretchen, who then in the movie is the French teacher, in case anybody is keeping score. Um, it's really funny and really heartbreaking and like a very poignant song, but it comes much later and it feels thrown in because they literally like, well, we I, we haven't given Gretchen a song. How do we give Gretchen a song? And so they like throw it in literally in the closet and just like chop it up and throw her in a closet. And it really, it really takes all of the context of the song away from it. So it like is. Because it's, yeah, it's not terrible. It's, but, but that, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. It would make more sense later. It feels um, like a little Darlene song that they wanted to like keep in and somehow. And they were like, no, we're not, we can't actually get rid of this all the way we need it. And then, like, that's just sort of, like, the best solution they found. Um, and I, okay, I have two other thoughts about it. Number one, um, shout out to Ashley Park. She went through some really serious medical stuff over the year change that was, like, tonsillitis that turned into septic shock. And now she's recovering from septic shock. And she's recovering. But just shout out to Ashley Park. She gives us so much Sunny, of herself. Sunny love and, and light to uh, yeah. from all the MT heads. Which <laughs> is what I call the musical, the movie, the podcast fan. Um, and then the other thing is that I didn't know that um, this was written by the, that connection to the Heather's musical is interesting because this song had always reminded me of a song from the Heather's musical called Lifeboat or something like that. Mm-hmm. That is sort of similarly like one of the lesser it girls <laughs> contemplating mm-hmm. like how she's hanging on and all of her, and like the the particular trauma that she's working through. I sort of love this song in the closet. I like I, I agree that really? it is sort of rubbed kind of but I, I I just because it is just this sort of like quiet private like like I don't know Andy if you've had this experience but I feel like most women have had the experience of like sometimes you're at a party and you go in a closet and cry for a minute. <laughs> like you go in the <laughs> yeah. bathroom and cry yeah. for a minute. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And like mm-hmm. that this mm-hmm. felt very much to me like that moment at the party when you have to go in the bathroom and cry for a minute. It is yeah, the, it is it's like a little tonally weird that she's all of a sudden spilling all this stuff to Katie. Sure. Yeah. Like that that's the only thing that's weird about it is she would never say all that stuff about Regina to Katie with Regina like just in the next room. Yeah. 
but the the other side of it for me is that B.B. Wood is just so fucking charming in this movie that, like, I don't mind that she just gets a solo here. Yeah. 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 Agreed. For sure. Uh, and then we haven't talked about her. You, you just sort of referenced her, Becky, but I want to talk about how great Busy Phillips is in this movie. So good. So good. She's playing the Amy Poehler so role where she's yes. Regina George's mom, which is perfect casting because she does look like Renee Rapp's mom. Yes. She looks like Renee Rapp's mom. And she manages to actually, like... Amy Poehler's, like, original portrayal was funny because it was so over the top and that person doesn't exist. And Bill mm-hmm. Phillips' portrayal is so funny because she does exist. Because yes. we all have a friend whose mom is that mom. Yes. And I liked, too, that they toned down Regina hating her mom as much. Right? Yeah. They didn't. She sort of just hates her in, like, the way that a 16-year-old girl hates her mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, um, there's one, so she has, her, her makeup is, I love, because it has this, like, level, it's, like, bad enough that you're noticing it. And so, like, you're noticing, like, oh, this is a woman who is really trying through makeup and Botox or whatever to, like, look 10 years younger, and I can see, like what she's put on under her eyes or whatever um it's just mm-hmm. it was it was some very effective there's also like the um we talked a little bit about their house but like they have like all the art that's up in their house is like what a mod girl whose tiktok handle is cool mom like would <laughs> like it's like yeah, pop uh-huh. art uh-huh. of a chill pill um and it's just also it's there's a there's perfect. a perfect there's like a great joke where it's later when they're showing all the TikToks in response to the, I think the uh, rock around the pole. Dance. It's in, it's in sexy. Okay. And like, you really got to look for it. But if you look like upper right corner, you can see that, that busy is one of the, is one of the TikToks. Like, and it's not, <laughs> they never like explicitly show it. She's like one of like 40 TikToks on the screen at that point. Yeah. It's just great. replying to it. But yeah. Is that, have, have we talked about rocking around the pole? No, I was going to say, um, that I also want to talk about the song Sexy, which is Avantika's song, and Karen gets this moment. It's like it's like they fleshed out the sexy mouse into a whole song, and like it's a winner. It's just a winner. It's such it's a so winner. Good. It's so funny. It's such a good song. And in the movie, it's so fun that they're doing like a get ready with me video, which is like mm-hmm. so real to this moment. Mm-hmm. And so like that. The, that moment in the movie where it's like a get ready with me and like Gretchen is showing her how to have the camera at a better angle is just like so real to all of the get ready with me videos that pop up that are like 17 year olds who are just mm-hmm. like talking into the void about like what they're doing um and then Ivantica is just so funny and that song is so funny and it just feels like a girl at a high school party just like bopping around and sort of like thinking she's the center it's so good that party feels like a high school party in a way that i've never seen on screen before like maybe can't hardly wait you guys went to cooler high school parties than i did i I went to your high school i went to your high school parties you guys were all i mean a cast party doesn't count as a party all right (laughs) that i didn't attend i was talking about how richard the six is while giving each other a massage train that doesn't count as a party (laughs) i just had flashbacks i'm so sorry attacked in my own home can i make one more note about an update i make because i just think it's so fascinating so in the song, you know, they're they're listing like all of the the sexy things that people are doing. And in, in the stage show, it's 
um, they say sexy Rosa Parks and they change it and they take it out. And I think I have so many questions. Like I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall because like sexy Rosa Parks is no more like insulting than anything else mm -hmm. in that song. But for some mm -hmm. reason mm -hmm. they take it out. And I just, I want to know why. The I wish someone that they could were tell scared me what to bring back. Agree. Like um, Damien doesn't even get yelled at for going into the women's room. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, like, how Tim Meadows had to, uh, he did not go to grad school for this. Instead, of yeah. he did not leave this outside for this. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. It's like that kind of thing. Yes, it is. And it feels like a, like, there's another podcast about Tina Fey and these pieces and why they may have made that change in this moment with a, a Tina Fey project specifically. Hard Different stop. podcasts, mm -hmm. but we will know it. <laughs> Put a pin in yeah. it. Yeah. Um. So the the um winter. Uh, uh, what is the show that they do? Talent it's like, show. It's I like think? the winter talent yeah. show, winter variety show is great. Everything has been like a little bit updated. We get instead of um Damien singing "Beautiful" by Christina Aguilera, he sings the iCarly theme in black <laughs> and white. <laughs> no, I like and that's French. my favorite joke in the movie actually it's so good it's so good it's so good there's um there's a wrestler right now on aew who is doing this like old-timey hollywood gimmick and and so every time that she comes out on stage the cameras all get this like black and white filter and it's the same filter as damien gets here and i just was like damien's having his tony storm moment oh. um and then kevin g's rap is like you know a little bit updated um and then rocking around we're not rocking around the christmas tree anymore we're just rocking around well, the they don't want to have to pay brenda brenda lee or yeah making the text yeah is it brenda <laughs> all lee? about brenda how much lee, peggy lee? Pay. i don't remember whoever it is that sings rocking around the christmas trees you ain't they getting a fucking check that's for sure uh so instead we're rocking around the pole uh which is such a funny idea is this a whole song on stage or what yeah it's a whole song i if I remember correctly, and this is the part I don't remember, I feel like they did something even more ridiculous on stage. Like, it was less... I feel like they had a totally original Christmas song that was, like, mm. not not the same. But I might be wrong about that. But I, I have this memory that it's a totally original, goofy, like, not-to-be-confused song. And I will say that there's a um, thing... That, I don't one thing that they fix is, like... Well, so in the last one, it uh, makes sense. That in the two, I keep saying the last one. Like, it's Fast and the Furious 6. Um, <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the 2004 one, they... Um, uh, I just lost everything I was going to say because I got so obsessed with that Fast and the Furious joke I made. Um, <laughs> oh, so basically, like, right before the talent show, they... Uh, they just make uh, uh, Gretchen switch places with Katie, which fucks Gretchen up completely because she's not used to doing the choreography backwards. Mm. And then this one, they just have Renee Rapp emotionally ruin Gretchen right before it starts <laughs> by snapping in her that fetch is not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> and like, it's in this way where you just see, you see Avantika just like, you watch her die inside. <laughs> like, it is like... <laughs> I've had those moments where someone said something like that to me right before I went on stage. And it's like, okay, time to make the donuts. You know what I mean? And like, <laughs> so you sort of feel how it all falls apart that way. Yeah. I, I really uh, love all the reaction shots of Jenna Fisher in this song. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them I just treasure and feel so deeply. 
I also wonder if any of our parents had, like, I would actually, I would never, but I would love to talk to my parents about, I did a very weird monologue in a school choir play where, like, for for everyone listening, I am, a, I am Black, and so I was chosen to give a monologue about how my dad, like, abandoned me, and I, like, my dad abandoned me and I found a new dad. And like, that is not true to my story at all. <laughs> um, that, and so my mother and father were in the like <laughs> audience listening to give this like story about like how sad my life was and my dad who abandoned me and I got like a Jesus. father figure and I'm, I'm mixed and my uh-huh. dad is white. So I can also sort of imagine that everyone around them is like, is this kid's story? <laughs> Did this nice white man like save this little black girl? And so like whenever I see these moments, I do sort of flashback to now as an adult of like, were my parents just like staring at each other like deer in the head like <laughs> what is happening here and i will i will just also cap the story by saying i was never chosen for any other solo <laughs> ever in this like theater in the three years i was in that that school except for this one weird weird monologue about how my dad abandoned me so wow it's awesome that your dad came to see you after he abandoned you though yeah yeah mm-hmm. so nice <laughs> <laughs> Well, what are we, what are we missing here for the? It's so hard okay, to so, like so so basically Regina's gonna get hit by you. You guys know how buses are always going like fifty miles an hour through <laughs> school parking lots at nine p.m. at night all the time. Yeah, all the time. All the yeah, time. it happens all the same way that it happens in two thousand four, right? Like she gets hit by the bus, and then people talk about it, and blah blah blah, and then Katie is the one, and there's a vacuum, and there's power struggle. Um, now we get to world burn, which is this. It really is like like even musically it's like where the stage shows music like culminates well that the way that it's paired with that and i'd rather be me which comes after it which is janice's sort of culminating number it is it's just it's done really well like we start with regina at home and it's and it's like happening like while the party is happening like while that fight is happening um and then she brings the burn book in. I love that we get the update that, like, it's not photocopies because who would make photocopies? Like, all she has to do is leave it mm-hmm. somewhere and then there will and then it will be everywhere. I love I love that. I, I, I don't know what else to say. This this song is just like incredible. <laughs> and then the sort of juxtaposition to that is they do the the trust falls in the gym the girl who doesn't even go here has her feelings and i just want to shout out that then she comes back at the dance as the le- as the singer for the the dance <laughs> band and gets to like sing out all of her feelings and i really loved that little bow <laughs> well and damien gets that other good line where he's like she's great but she still doesn't go here <laughs> yeah it's and like- he's um Jaquel is so good at oh, like so yeah, good. finding so good. those moments and making them like like making them be as big as they need to be to land, but also not be like big and cheesy. It's oh, yes. He's doing the only good. line that I wish he put less English on is uh, he really he really serves on a platter. None for Gretchen Wieners by. <laughs> none for Gretchen Wieners by. <laughs> He's like none for Gretchen Wieners by. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> um, um, but but Janice gets to sing. So um, she has this like this moment that you can't it's her breaking out of the cycle it's saying like hey i'm not gonna play this game that y'all are playing because that is miserable and i would rather be myself um and bless ali it's, to, it's a great song it really goes, gets to like do it, it the song like flow like it 
it just flows, it rocks, it goes well, and then it, like... I don't love her running through the band room and the gym. I d- that kind of felt to me like they didn't know what to do to stage sure. it. So here's an interesting... Here's an interesting thing, right? So Barrett Wilbert Reed sings it in the original. They have all of these youtube videos that the cast is doing as they're trying to promote that song gets pulled and they do a standalone music video which is very heavily inspired in that scene in the movie so they have a music video where she's like in a she's in a school and she's like with much younger girls who look like middle school girls honestly (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it it has that and they're running through the school and this girl is like the, the like girl who's getting bullied is like getting all of this liberation and so I do sort of wonder if they were like well we already sort of did this can we just yeah, can we just yeah. use this this um because that's my favorite song in the musical that's my it's favorite great. song in the musical I listen to it all the time it was on my Spotify wrapped one year like that what? is favorite song I thought that Ali'i did a really great version of it um in that she's just like she has that edge like she has that like I don't I really don't care what anyone thinks about um mm. and it's it was really fun to watch and felt really liberating I thought yeah. mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then the last thing is unfortunately like ending on kind of a down moment because then we get to the dance and they do I see stars which is I mean you just get the such a pretty leads, song but... Such oh, a pretty I mean, song. Also, yeah, in, in uh, Lindsay Lohan shows up at the Mathletes. <laughs> Which is so great. It's a nice moment. I love that, actually. Yeah. Well, and there's a super cute thing where they were, where Tina Fey talks about in an interview that she wanted Lindsay Lohan to have a, a part where she felt as smart as Katie did to, like, hold on that, that she is... was the original Katie and they didn't want to make her, like, the butt of a joke. They wanted her to be smart like Katie was smart. And yeah. so that's oh, like one that. of the reasons they chose that, which I thought was really sweet. That's really it's great. Nice. And it happens late. Like by the time it happened, you've like stopped thinking that it's going to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it's it's like, it's just a nice late surprise. Yeah. Uh, but so then, yeah, we go to the dance and what's the song here? I see stars. Could they have gone with a choral option for this? Where they, they, like, gave they should have done because mm-hmm. it's such a mm-hmm. it's such a pretty song, and 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 Gabby Rice, I think, is probably a really nice person in real life, but is not selling this song. Um, and and right, I sort of wish they'd just given lines to other people, right? Or like, because like, because it is, it's a song about everybody, right? Like, we're all here yeah. to dance, and I think there was a way to do it that you got to have the song be really nice. Yeah, I when we were leaving the movie the other day i was talking about how i love that they they then like go and they, we just get to see like all the kids enjoying this dance through the credits um and the much superior not my fault renee rap megan Thee stallion song <laughs> um and i like i love i was like oh i love that that's like the taste that they're leaving in my mouth because i love getting to like see all these people play together and like realize that they can like support each other and compliment each other um and I think the stage song achieves that. I haven't seen it performed, but like when I listen to it, I fe- I I get that from the music. And like this, it's like it's even like the arrangement. I don't know. It's just it ain't it. Oh, you know what? We didn't talk about it all. The the choice to not have a Glen Coco. I love this choice. The four. I feel like four for you, Glen Coco. Uh, is one of those little things that like it was a little kind of throwaway line and then became a whole thing. 
Um, and I read that they were thinking about having Harry Styles cameo as Glenn Coco. And instead, what they do is they like they play it all to the camera so that we are all Glenn Coco. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. So here's what I want to do before we get out of here is what I'm going to ask you guys to do um, is that I would like you to give this movie three ratings on a scale of one to five stars. And I'd like you to rate it as a musical, as a movie, and as a remake. Three, three separate ratings. Whoa. Whoa. Right? And we'll, I'll, I'll do my best to average it all here at the end. I'll, I'll start because I feel like I got some ideas. Um, as a musical, I feel like this is like a solid four stars. I'll give this a four star musical. Um, as, a, as a movie, also, I think I go like four stars. And then as a remake, it's like three. It's probably three for me. Because again, I feel like there could have been different jokes. There could have been there if there just would have been there could have been an opportunity for uh, give this to a younger writer, have them do a pass, mm-hmm. have see if you can change out some of these old jokes for some actually new jokes. Because all you need is the storyline. The joke like comedies aren't right, remade a lot, but beats. usually usually when comedies are remade, it's not the jokes aren't put like it's not so that the jokes can be retold. It's like so that the story can be retold and then we'll figure out new jokes along the way. So for that reason, I drop it down to like, I'm gonna say two and a half, two and a half as a remake, and then four as a musical and a movie. Those those are my ratings. Okay, I will say I agree with Andy. It's a four as a movie. It's a three as a remake for all of reasons that I liked it so much. I actually thought it was really fun, but I gave it a 2.5 as a musical because it it doesn't actually do musical well. Like the fun thing about a musical is the like big, larger than life element of it, right? And the bursting into song because you can't hold your emotions. And they pull those punches so much. And so like as a musical, they're sort of afraid to be a musical, and I think it's I think it suffers. So I'd rate it low for musical, but higher for movie and remake. All right. I think I'm I think I'm sort of in the same boat. I think I'm gonna go four for musical, five for movie. <laughs> no, I don't know. The thing is, like, I agree with all of that. And like the 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 times where this movie succeeds are the times when it is going to eleven to. 14 like the um we didn't even talk about revenge party but like (laughs) it's such a fun song and the way that they have it like it's all like in the same high school set but it's like in bright colors and like there's they have like confetti cannons and stuff um and like the um someone gets hurt when they're at the party and it's like it like becomes kind of this it like slowly morphs into everyone is doing this like big ensemble thing i those are those are the parts that i'm like that make me want to go like five stars but i don't think that they overcome the other flaws of the film so i guess yeah. i think by definition parts <laughs> being five stars means the movie can't be five stars yeah so i'm going to i guess i'm <laughs> no, going to say that didn't make sense but you know what i mean i'm going to say Three, four, three. Three for a musical, four for a movie. Because I like a lot, I like the themes of this movie and like also, you know, again, Mean Girls is in me. Like I'm not, I I can't be objective about Mean Girls. I recognize that and I'm not interested in it. And so it's from me a four. Quiet. Six is a four is talking. No, wait, that, that's not how that's supposed to go. Uh, all right, Amanda? Um, yeah, I'm also going to do 
three for musical. I think in part, I, I don't like in some of this, and I liked the musical too when I saw it. Like there's just not for me enough songs that I like walk away singing, I guess, as part of it. Like the only song that gets mm-hmm. stuck in my head is Revenge Party. And that's not the best song in this musical, right? <laughs> but it's the only mm-hmm. one like playing up. So I guess so for me it's a it's a three as a musical. Um I also agree with like a f- like a four a four plus as a movie. <laughs> like I yeah. saw it twice and I was delighted. I mean, like a it's four great. nostalgia. A f- yeah, right. Yeah. Like, um, and then as a remake, I'm okay, Andy. I think you're totally you are totally objectively right about everything that you said. And also, I'm going to give it a four because I loved this as a remake. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is actually like it was like heavy on the fan service a little bit, but it's what I wanted from this. So I'm gonna I'm gonna call that a four. Well, I'm I'm doing my math in my head here, and I'm averaging it out, and we we basically land right at a three point five average over everything. Um, which I think is right. pretty fair for this movie. I that mean, that's right. that's that better right. than yeah. average. That's above average. Uh, and it's it's uh, if you're thinking if you're on the fence about seeing this, I think you should go ahead and see it. Uh, I think it's it's well worth it. It's you, fun. You, you maybe yeah. yeah yeah you, you may like be surprised like it's it seems like such a fluffy almost direct video idea, but it is a hot movie that like really fucking sings. No pun intended. Like the whole way through, it cooks the whole way through. Uh, we saw this in the beautiful Dolby Theater. The sound was just like absolutely fantastic. All right, so uh, we're going to jump right into plugs. And, uh, you know, typically we have a lot of uh, comedians on the show. You guys aren't performers, but I did hear you guys were really concerned about who was technically the comedian guest and who was technically the theater guest for this episode. I guess, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say Becky's the theater guest because she came in as our, like, perspective of what's the stage show. She had, she's bringing that knowledge. And Amanda's um, funny. And Amanda's the comedy well, guest so based funny. on and Amanda's yeah, based on her uh, award-winning uh, appearance on the podcast musical, the movie, the podcast for the episode <laughs> Rent. Um, so, uh, so, uh, what do you guys have that you want to hear? Let me, let me just say before I throw to you guys that you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumb fun, which supports, uh, this show. It supports 30 characters. It supports the show, uh, Fanny Falls Demon Hunter, which I made as well as our new show, which is dropping on, uh, alternate weeks, uh, to this show, me and Steph that we're doing called, uh, the completest where we're going to be watching, uh franchises and sagas of movies uh and so we're doing our first episode or set of episodes on uh the unbreakable split glass franchise um one of the weirdest franchises of all time one of my absolute favorites obsessed did you really oh my god all right no i had no idea i saw unbreakable in theaters three times what (laughs) you're pretty much responsible for its box office then i'm pretty sure yeah (laughs) <laughs> so yeah what else what else do you guys want to plug becky i don't have anything to plug just the world is mean so be nice to each other that's the heart of it be kind to each other it's not easy nice girls yeah what, you, what if they made a movie called nice girls yeah like or like just like okay not mean girls like i don't even need to <laughs> right now just like give everybody a little bit of slack like give everybody a little bit of slack. harmless <laughs> girls yeah in theaters <laughs> in 2025 harmless girls <laughs> Lobotomized. <laughs> a different movie. Uh, Amanda? Um, I would like to plug um, supporting your local public and school libraries as they face people challenging the fact that they have books for children in them. Um, you should show up to your library and school board meetings and talk about how important it is that kids be exposed to a wide range of viewpoints 
that's what I would like to plug to the listeners of this oh, podcast. Yeah. Amen. Man, Amanda, that was going to be my plug. I was just going to say, Amanda and Becky, in my life, are two people who um, encourage me in emotional and practical ways to just be more connected to my community um, and two things that, like, importantly, tangibly affect people around me. Um, and I want to share that with everyone. Wow. Like, also, like, even if that's, like, make a podcast and tell your friends to come on it. And, like, that that counts. That's community building. What a group you guys are. But who's the queen bee? I'll take my answer off air. Uh, if, you're, um, if you're in Louisville uh, this weekend, I'm going to be uh, Steve from Blue's Clues at the Roast of the Unroastables. And then in Chicago this uh, Friday, February 4th, or sorry, this Sunday, February 4th, uh, I will be at the Roast of the Presidents as George W. Bush. Um, so check those out. And this is wait, can I just say while we're still on a podcast, when we started dating, Andy was like, Can I give you my George W. Bush impression? And I was like, No, because I want to keep dating you. <laughs> or I wanted to show you the a, a video. Yeah. You were like, No, I'm afraid it'll affect my attraction to you. And I'm like, I just think it'll make you attracted to George W. Bush is the problem. Neither happened. Yeah. Um Amanda and Becky, thank you guys so much for your time for coming on the show today. Uh Two great people we're happy to have in our lives and happy to have on our podcast. Until next time on the the only podcast for people who love musicals <laughs> and hate musicals. It's Musical the Movie the Podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Musical the Movie the Podcast. Musical the Movie the Podcast. Musical the Movie the Podcast with Andy and Steph. Boom, dum.